This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Indoors or out, fall, winter, spring, and summer, whenever you garden, wherever you garden, this is the show that covers it all. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And yours truly, Frank Proctor, the sous chef. And, and I got to tell you, Charlie Dobbin, yes, Frank I Proctor. am so thankful for Sierra Sill. What a pill! Because man, oh, listen to you. Oh, oh no, uh, I, I started. Yeah. I started my boxing lessons this past week. Yes, two two like sessions. Kickboxing or real oh, boxing? No, 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 real boxing with gloves. Yeah, and Terrence Fowler, Fight Fit in St. Catharines, great guy. In a ring. In a ring. Oh wow. yeah, and he's got the pads on. I got the gloves on. You he, wear shiny you know, shorts? My... No, oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Uh, Oh, almost pajama bottoms, almost. Well, anyway. who cares? But the main thing yes. is, I would be aching like a son of a gun, I think, if I hadn't taken the Sierra Soul for the past couple of weeks now. So, Well, and, uh, the other thing, well, Sierra Soul, it's not just obviously to yeah. help you not to feel better afterwards, but it, Sierra Soul is the supplement that we talk about on the radio here yeah. sometimes. It's a um, something that will help with your joints. It's supposed to help kind of lubricate so That's that you, right. your movement should be better. Your extensions should be better. You should My be able to... My hands, by the way, yeah, which stronger. sometimes are a bit arthritic. Yeah. Arthritic. <laughs> arthritic. Yeah. Uh, no problems right now. Yeah, so they're feeling good. Yeah. So generally then you would say your absolutely. joints are feeling nice and lubricated. I, I mean that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good for you. And and you've been taking the Sierra Cell how long? Well, just two weeks. Well, there's that's that magical 14 days. Yeah, yeah. That, oh, there you are. Yeah, remember yeah. Michael said that some... Michael's the president. He said mm-hmm. that... Every now and then, some people don't feel a difference, yep. but generally, if you're going to take Cirrusil, you will feel better, yep. a difference, within 14 days. Well, there you go. Which And the phone number, just because it's on the top of my head, is 877-JOINT-14. Uh, and if anybody wants to give a call to that number, there yep. are people on site who can answer questions and set you up if you want to try try this particular yep. supplement, particularly if you're stiff. You know, if you've got a lot of stiffness exactly. in any hands, feet, knees, hips, anything. I was kind of stiff last night myself. Well, that had to do with the, some of the right. But, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, this is the garden show. It's we not are. the health program. That's right. But, but you've got to be yeah. feeling good to get gardening. Exactly. And it's feeling kind of springy out there. Are you oh, noticing? Oh, yes, indeed. How br- much brighter it is in the morning. Absolutely. Getting lighter lately. Lately. Lighter lately. lately. It's really nice. Nice. I'm going to give the phone numbers, then I'm going to turn this back over to you because right. you get a raft of stuff there. Uh, <laughs> phone numbers to reach Charlie Dobbin at AM740 in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Okay, Charlie, what do you got? A couple of announcements. Mm. Uh, one is today... Uh-huh. A very big event happens every year at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. It's called the Jump on Spring, which is just, you get just that. Yes. Uh, getting ready for spring, getting excited, talking to gardeners, listening to gardeners, uh, shopping, because there are all kinds of cool things going on. So Get the Jump on Spring is Toronto Botanical Gardens all day today from 10 until 4. That's at 777 Lawrence Avenue East 
at Leslie. Um, I will be there at 1.30 presenting a peek behind the scenes uh, from Canada Blooms. Oh, very nice. So I'm on stage there as well, and uh, it's free admission. There's lots yep. of parking, so a good place to go if you're looking for something to do today. Tomorrow uh, is CD Saturday on a Sunday. <laughs> Typically, <laughs> the right. seed exchanges take place on a Saturday, yeah. but for whatever reason, I think they were had something else going on today at the Witchwood Barns, which is where it's taking place tomorrow. Uh, so that's barn number two, Artscape Witchwood Barns, which is at 601 Christie Street here in Toronto. Uh, it's an eco-fair. It's mm. a seed exchange. It's uh, gardening workshops. Again, you know... Get to St. Clair Street and... Uh, and, uh, and you'll... You'll find Witchwood, yeah. That's right. And like the, the Witchwood Barns, of course, mm-hmm. are the old TTC maintenance yep. sheds that have been repurposed to mm-hmm. this huge community center. And there's some really neat things going on there. And, I mean, the thing that's going on right now is anybody, whether you're an expert gardener or a novice gardener, you do start getting a little itchy, right? The, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, well. You know, the birds are making a little more noise and the days are certainly getting longer and the snow is melting. So everybody's kind of going, ooh, I want to get into the gardening bug. It just starts <laughs> to happen. So these are good timing for all those things uh, is all going on right now. And um, if I have one quick minute just before we go to our first break, uh, we had a call. Remember the blue poppy question? Oh, yeah. The woman who said she had blue poppy seeds, yep, yep. trying to grow them. What does she do? All right, here's the bottom line. It's kind of a, a it might be more than you want me to explain to you about blue poppies. But what I learned was, and I this is based on my personal experience too, is <laughs> do not rely on seed from commercial sources. Blue poppy, this is Mechanopsis is the actual you know genus of the plant. The, the blue poppy seed is short-lived and may well be useless by the time you buy it. Oh, dear. This is one reason mm. why people believe growing blue poppies is beyond them. They buy commercial seed. They follow the instructions carefully. Nothing happens. They blame themselves. So connecting back to the seedy Saturday on a Sunday, get your seed from a seed exchange or, better still, gather it ripe in summer from a friend's garden. So, uh, you know, find somebody who's mm. growing some and get the seed. You know then how fresh it is. The seed should be kept in the fridge until you're ready to use it. Start the seeds in a controlled situation, indoors, under lights. Uh, of course, blue poppy seeds are tiny. You sow them on the surface of the soil, and they need light to germinate. Okay. So the trick is keeping them moist enough while you're waiting for now, them to you grow. you don't scratch them in a little bit or no? Or nope. just uh, right on top of the soil? Right on top of the soil. The know. one thing you might do is a very, very fine layer of crushed vermiculite just to help to keep the moisture around them, mm-hmm. but very finely, just powdered, almost vermiculite on top, just to make sure the light is still getting through, but that the moisture right. levels okay. are kept high. So there's there's the bottom line on blue poppies. Uh, get fresh seed. Seed exchanges being the best place yeah. for the freshest. No no advantage to planting dead seeds. There's well, no, no, it's frustrating. Yeah. Well, yeah. You wind up blaming yourself, and it's not your fault at all. Exactly. Okay. Uh, 9-11, the time here on the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show here at AM 740. We look forward to your calls, and we'll return to have a chat with Ellen out in Oshawa right after these words. Transplanting good ideas from one gardener to another. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And this is Frank Proctor. You know, Charlie, we were remiss in not welcoming Grace back. That's right. Yeah, she we was missed out in Grace. Vancouver for the Olympics. I know. I think she was competing in something, wasn't she? The fastest <sighs> talker or something? <laughs> <laughs> All right, as promised, let's get to Ellen in Oshawa. Hello, Ellen. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Good I'm morning. Speaker. And it's usually my husband that has the questions. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. He's here. Go ahead, dear. Hi, Charlie. Good morning. Oh, yeah, there. Okay. I'm Bill. Hi, Bill. Um, is there any proper time 
or way to prune a hibiscus. Oh, proper time or way? Yeah. I've usually just gone at it hacking and chopping when it's starting to get out of, out of line. and uh, I don't know. And what, what I have is growing like crazy and uh-huh. it's flowering right now. Okay. That's what we love about hibiscus. They're so forgiving. Because you can. You can pretty much just hack at them. <laughs> they, they make hedges out of them in, yeah. in the tropics because they can just be chainsawed down and they grow back up nice and dense and thick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're looking for something a little more sculptural or balanced or beautiful, yes, there are certain ways. Timing, the best time to be pruning a hibiscus is now or in the next month. All right. Mm-hmm. When you trim, uh, is it a shrub or a tree form that you've got? This guy is trying to go to be a tree. Okay. It hasn't done it. It's, uh, well, there's, I have three plants in one pot. Okay. They're in my sunroom, the south window. Uh-huh. Perfect. And uh, it's gotten to be, oh, four feet high, four or five feet high, something like that. Yeah. And just going, heading for the ceiling. <laughs> wow. Okay, so sometimes, because um, sometimes people have a single plant in a pot, and then they'll have a single stem uh, at the bottom, and then all the branching will take place above that, and that would be the more traditional tree form. But what you've got is a big honking bush, by the sounds of it. <laughs> now, it's coming that way, yeah. <laughs> So what I would do, if I were you, because it's going to get too big to be able to handle, to get it outside in the summer and then bring it back in in the fall, keeping in mind it's going to grow another foot outside this summer, right? You know, it's going to be six right feet on. tall. You don't want that. That's so you're, you're going to need to trim it down at, to the point where it will be allowed to grow this summer and be able to come in in the fall and not be pruned again until next spring which might mean that you should be pruning it down as much as even 18 inches or, or two feet, if you wish to, bef- you know, sometime in the next month. Oh. When you're trimming, use the same rule of thumb that we use with all of our pruning. Number one, you'll remove any branches that are dead. Well, you probably don't have many of those. No. So we remove the dead. We remove the diseased. Well, you probably don't have any of those either. And we remove the damaged. So damaged branches happen when they rub together. Yep. And hibiscus are so vigorous and so happy to grow that you will have branches that are crossing over and touching each other right now. That's right. So right away one of each of those rubbing branches much, must come out in order to allow the plant to not ultimately be damaged. So when, when I'm pruning hibiscus, I'll trim it back to what we call an outward-facing bud. So all the way around the plant, trimming the outer branches so that the first growth will not grow to the inside of the plant, but grow to the outside of the plant. Right on. Okay, so right away, that's your first pruning point. Then you look at the inside of the plant where it is all growing into the center, and you will remove quite a lot of that inner growth because it's never going to flower in there. It's just going to block moisture getting down to the soil uh, and just kind of fill up block air circulation and everything else. So it's They're little small branches anyway. That's right. All those little guys that are in growing inwards come out. And then look closely for any kind of like I say, crossing or going to cross branches that are going to grow into that sort of a um a situation. And then leave it alone and watch it. You'll do probably some more small pruning a month or so later, six weeks later, once you th- see which way things are starting to grow. Uh-huh. Okay, and remember you can always take the tip tips off of hibiscus branches, thus causing side branching, right? So you can thicken it up even more, make it grow even more side branches by taking tips. Mm -hmm. So if it's kind of shooting off in one direction, take the tip off, and that will slow the whole thing down and cause it to grow wider. Very good. All right. All right. Here's your challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right on. My wife has a question, too. Oh, what's that, Ellen? Go ahead. The 
passion flower has a fungus on it, and we want to know if we can propagate it. Uh, so there's uh, some wet mildew on the leaves? No, it's, it's white. white it's a white scaly thing. <clears throat> and where do you see that white scaliness? All over the bottoms, oh, halfway up the plant. Oh, really? So all over the stems, right at the base? Yeah. yeah it's got into the, the big uh, stems right at the base now. Hmm. Okay, a couple of things I would do. One is, yes, I would take some tip cuttings, which will be green right now. They will not have, make sure that any cuttings you take appear to be clean. There's no evidence of any fungus. Oh, this is 15 feet away from the base. Right. So, so do take some tip cuttings, and tip cuttings are only three or four inches long. Mm-hmm. And, of course, where, where the, the nodes are, where there's bumps on the stem, is where the leaves grow and or roots can grow. So you make sure you've got a couple of nodes that you can then uh, sink down into some moist sand or vermiculite or even a glass of water yep. and cause some roots to grow and start some new plants. But get a hold of, and we're just at the time where the, the garden centers are starting to put out some of their spring um, important things. And I've noticed that they are starting to receive some of the, the basic soaps, you know, the, the insecticidal soaps yep. and the gar- it's called garden sulfur or it's a garden fungicide, which is a liquid sulfur. Ah. Follow the instructions on that. That will control the spread of the fungus. Right on. Okay, and of course, lots of sun. No, no spritzing. No misting. Keep the humidity low. Believe it or not, to try and control the the fungus. All right. Okay. I'll have to see if we can do something like that. <laughs> A lot of the long stems are dying or have died. Okay. You know, it's it's very well entrenched. This, this fungus is. Yeah. Well, do do your best to control the fungus, and in the meantime, try and get some healthy uh, cuttings off of it. I can do that. Okay. Good. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, hey, Alan. Thanks, Bill, Bill and Ellen. And what a what a sneaky way they had of <laughs> circumventing our little mantra: call early, call often. One question per call. They say we'll make a, a, a Two double callers. phone call. Yeah. I, know. I yeah, thought that was you're, pretty cute and inventive. You're calling our callers sneaky. Oh yes, I am well. actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think. They're smart, and I gotta I gotta <laughs> tap you on the shoulder for a great little uh, line. How many master gardeners folks would say, "Oh, you're winding up with a big honking bush there, aren't you?" <laughs> don't, don't quite see that. That's strong <laughs> horticultural language. It certainly is. Okay, nine twenty-one. Got to take a little bit of a break here and come back and have a chat with Catherine from Toronto after these words. Getting to the root of a growing dilemma. This is the AM seven forty Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And yours truly, the sous chef Frank Proctor, helping out a little bit here with phone numbers like in Toronto, call 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. First person you talk to will be Grace, our producer, and then eventually wind up with this lovely young lady, her name is Charlie Dobbin. Yes. Thank you, Frank. Well, You're a I'm, sweetheart. And I'm you, ingratiating myself like crazy. Yes, aren't? you are. And you, those numbers just roll <laughs> oh, off your tongue. I know. Jeez. I know. Beautifully done. Well, I have to write them down on a piece of paper, as you know, every week, <laughs> so I don't blow it. So do I. Don't uh, worry. Now, we have a call from Catherine in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I guess the first question is, you know, say hello to Catherine, but yeah. also how many buddies has she got in the room <laughs> with her? I <laughs> thought that was pretty clever from Bill and Ellen. Anyway, <laughs> hi, Catherine. Welcome to the show. Hello, and I don't have anybody's in the room with me. <laughs> morning. Good morning. Um, I, I have a problem. Well, it's a long, long-time problem with cedar hedge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cedar hedges are old. They've been uh, growing very well. However, because there are two huge 60-year-old maple trees, um, 
the the mm -hmm. area where the maple trees shade the cedar hedge, of course, the hedge is not growing very well. Right. In fact, <clears throat> the um, uh, but the bottom part of it is almost bare mm -hmm. in the section where the shade is. And so I'm wondering, is there any hope if I feed it with cedar feeder? Um, is there any hope of bringing back some of that lower growth? Or do I just have to put up with them looking the way they do? <laughs> it's a great question, actually, because I see this a lot in Toronto, where there are big old maples, like you said. A yes. couple of things you can do to try and encourage the, the hedge to grow as well as it can. And you're absolutely right. It's the shade that's causing it to be smaller in the shadier areas than it is in the, in the sunnier areas. Uh -huh. But the other thing that's going on is the maple. Remember that maple's old and it's got roots all over the place. Yes. And it's because it's so big and dominant and its root system is so big and dominant, it's taking the nutrient and the water before yes. the cedar can get it. I realized it was a case of water and, and lack of sun. Yeah. yeah. Both, right. So to you can help with the sun a little bit uh, if the tree has not had any kind of pruning or attention by a certified arborist. I would spend the money. It's you know might be a couple hundred dollars, but it's well spent. Uh -huh. Have a certified arborist come on the property and do some thinning of the crown of the maples, uh -huh. so that some because maples will often overgrow and just be so thick and dense with leaves and branches uh -huh. that no sun penetrates through to the bottom and nothing grows below. Well, so, I have to tell you, Charlie, I have had uh, both. I've got the, this is a pair of maples, mm -hmm. one on each side, and I have had them done by very reputable uh, Toronto um, uh, or, or organizations. Mm -hmm. and the only problem is because they're so big, mm -hmm. they cost me something like um, a thousand dollars every time I have them done. And, right. You know they're so big. They're so big, exactly. They it's a do big a job. Job, but I don't do that every year. Of course not. No, no. About every five years, oh. you should be doing that. Okay. So kind of budget for that if you can. Yes. That will help a little bit with the sun. The other thing you can do is get a hold of some good quality composted manure. Yes. Or you know if you make your own compost. I do. So, so real good organic based soil material. Place that at the base of the cedar hedge, yes. uh, even if it's a half an inch, a three quarters of an inch deep, yes. right on top of the existing soil. Uh -huh. Lay that in there and then make a real effort to not only feed, well, th these, this good organic-based manure, of course, will do some feeding, but you could also hit it once with cedar feeder in June. Uh -huh. And if we don't have a lot of rain, make sure you stay right on top of watering. Yes, that, that is a bit of a problem, yeah, getting the water under there, because it's a very long hedge. I have a, a deep garden. You know what um, I use? There's a, some hoses out there. They're called soaker hoses. Yes, I have them. Good. And you lay them on a, like a little snake zigzag pattern right in at the base of the cedar hedge. Just leave them there year-round. That's what I do. Perfect. Right. And hook up your hose, because that you know the tree is blocking the rain even getting through, right? Yes, it is. So, yeah, so water, fertilizer, do what you can to fix that soil. And if you can open the canopy of the trees a bit, all of that will help the cedar grow better. Very good. Okay, thanks so much. Thanks for your call. Thank you for the program. You bet. Thanks, Catherine. Catherine's Calling pretty in. on the ball, actually. Well, she, yeah, I think she, she had that all almost together. Almost everything you were saying. Yes, I've got that. I think that. she's done it yes, all. Yes, I've got that. <laughs> wow. She's a guest on the show. <laughs> exactly. Well, Doris in Brampton, you've been hanging on the line for some time there. Thank you. And uh, I understand we've got a question about orchids. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Good. Okay. Morning, good, Doris. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. I have problem with my orchids. Mm -hmm. The leaves, they're very, you know, full, but now they're all withered. Oh, 
So they went from green and, and healthy to, to all wrinkly? Yes, that's right. Okay. Uh, when the leaves wrinkle, there's two reasons. One is not enough water. The other is too much water. Oh. Is it, are they in the original pots? Have you, how long have you had the orchids? Oh, probably from five years. Oh, really? So you've transplanted them over the... Yes, in that... every two years. Okay. Second time now. Okay. Has anything changed in terms of where you've got them or your watering practices? Or did you well, go away for a holiday or... No, I don't think so. I probably let them sit too long in the water. I water them every week. Oh, okay. I set them in a in water. Okay. And uh, probably too long. I don't know. Okay, so the trick now is you've obviously they're not sitting in any water now. No, no. Uh, what I would do is, um, are they in clay pots or plastic pots? Plastic. Okay, so you could, um, like even right away, get some clay pots, get some fresh bark. Mm-hmm. Take the orchids out of their existing plastic pots. Mm-hmm. When you take them out, you will know right away if the problem was sitting in water for too long. They will smell swampy. Like they will smell um, rotten. So yeah. have a, a sharp pair of scissors or a pair of pruners and you, will, you can prune away any, any roots that are mushy. They're brown. They're black. They mm-hmm. smell bad. All that needs to be pruned away. You will leave, of course, any <clears throat> white or ivory-colored roots or firm, yes. you know, good, healthy ones. Mm-hmm. Then with some fresh bark, I would repot those uh, plants into clay pots. In clay pots. Yeah, it could be the same size they're in now. You don't have to get bigger pots. Mm-hmm. Just clay is easier. is blooming now. Oh, that's great. It, well, does it matter? Well, it'd be better to not do the transplanting when it's blooming. It'd be better mm-hmm. to wait. Yes. But certainly uh, hold right back on your watering and, and uh, do not water again until they're you know, nice and light. Let them really dry down substantially before you do any more watering. And then transplant when you can carefully uh, to remove. And, and even just, you can even just smell at the surface of the, the uh, pots if they smell a bit swampy and you'll know that that's what's going on. There's a little bit of rot set in. Mm-hmm. And the trick is to, you know, don't let that rot continue. So do not allow a lot of moisture to yes. sit in those pots. And another question. The one, one of them didn't bloom, and there's some shoots coming out. Mm-hmm. Those leaves are very healthy looking. Good. Yeah. So what I'm going to do with this one? Oh, you know what? You're going to allow the new fresh growth to come out. The older... Older leaves will slowly but surely turn yellow, and as they turn yellow, of course, they're going to die. Yes. Your trick is, I leave those those leaves as long as they've got green in them. Once they're yellow, there's no point leaving them on the plant anymore because they're just going to turn brown and then black and then die. Mm-hmm. So you can trim them off once they're completely yellow and, and encourage the new growth to come through. Do, obviously, water as necessary, and for, we're getting to that time of year when fertilizing is appropriate. Yes. All right. Yes. All right. Thank, thank you, Doris. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care of Brampton Forest. And uh, by the way, we've got a couple of free lines now. A good tip for those of you saying, gee, when when should I call to get a line? Well, right now is a good time. 416-360-0740 in Toronto. Anywhere else in the province, toll free, my friends, for the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. 1-866-740-740. Four seven forty. Zoomer Radio AM seven forty. Yes, Charlie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get on a roll there, and I sometimes like gotta cut in. You know, I need one of those big long.
you know, hooked. something. Yeah, yeah, slap you on the side of the head. <laughs> hey, I'm still over here. I am. Um, you don't remember, but last week, or you probably don't remember, last week at the end of the show, we had a call from Peggy, and she was calling about mother-in-law's tongue. Oh yeah, I love the name of that. Or Sansevieria, mm. Sansevieria. We typically call it. It. Um, she called right at the end of the show, and we didn't have time to really answer mm-hmm. the question. I said I would report back today. Her question was. Uh, What's going on? It's an old plant. She's, it sounded like something she'd had for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was some dead leaf happening in the center of the leaves. Sansevieria are, are a plant with a very tall... They're also called snake plants. So they have these tall, narrow, green or green and yellow leaves. They're very firm. Um, they, they're they not a grassy type plant. They're quite a, a solid, like a strong... stick sort of thing? Almost, and, but yeah. it's a flat leaf. Actually, oh, okay. I could show, I you, you, mean, show yeah. you a picture because you will, you will have seen these uh, in oh, yeah. hotel yeah, yeah, lobbies. Yeah. They grow in dark locations That's what the, or light, but they... I always say to people, you could take this plant, put it to the back of your closet for a year, take it out a year later, right. and it's going to look exactly the same. It will not suffer in the dark or lack of water Sense at of all. Area. Sense of area. Okay. So, but what's going on? Why suddenly is this you know, dead material mm-hmm. happening on the leaves? Um, I'm wondering if perhaps Peggy hopefully is listening. She, she's had it for a long time, so she knew what she was doing. But certainly overwatering can lead to some death of some of the leaves. Typically, if a, a sansevieria has been overwatered, the, the dead will start at the base. Uh, and it'll be actually a rot will set in. And that happens with any overwatering. Uh, and they call it a basal rot from the base. And you, that will start to creep up some of the leaves. So has her watering changed? Probably not, because, again, she's had this for years and years. The other thing that could have happened is cold damage. Could the Sansevieria have been exposed to some cold that it wasn't quite prepared to? Is it near a front door or did it move? You know, at Christmas. Near a window. Yeah, we set up our Christmas trees and so we have to move plants Mm -hmm. out of the way quite often and we stick them into corners. Did it happen that suddenly it was exposed to, yeah, near a window, Mm -hmm. near a door, something like that? Because cold can cause that that death of leaves on Sansevieria. That's the one thing they're very, very sensitive to is cold damage. So the trick right now is no fertilizer at all. And so hold back in your fertilizer, obviously, water only as necessary. This is a plant that should dry right Right. down. Mm -hmm. And uh, do not do any kind of over, um, any misting. Keep the moisture off the leaves. Uh, And when you're watering, try to just water the soil. Try not to water the leaves because this could be a a bacterial um, infection, which is something Mm -hmm. else. Again, if it is a bacterial infection, there is no cure for it. So the trick is keep the moisture down, uh, obviously keep the cold away, keep the fertilizer away, and only water as necessary and see what happens. I think you'll find... New growth should come up, and the new growth should be fine. Yeah. And that will indicate that it was a, a cold damage question that, what, that happened there. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. My pleasure. Charlie Dobbin Garden Show is on the air. We're going to go to uh, Rochester, New York. Nice. And say hi to Eleanor. Welcome to the show, Eleanor. Good morning. I love your show. I think it's fantastic. Oh, Thanks, thank Eleanor. Um, I'm calling about pomegranate seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, I've planted some... Well, about a month ago, and now they're up about an inch high. Nice. And um, when can I take them out of the greenhouse thing and transplant them? Well, are you are you hoping to plant them? You'll never put them outside to leave them outside, right? They'll always be in pots because you'll have to bring them in in the winter. Is that what you do with them? You bring them in in the winter? You'll have to. They, they will die in the frost. Uh-huh. So because they, it's just... 
you know, Rochester's warm, but it's not warm <laughs> enough. Well, that's for sure. Very cold here. <laughs> I know. You've had a lot of snow this year as well. So the, the trick is um, the pomegranates will have to stay in pots. For now, just uh, allow them. How many leaves are actually on the little seedlings? Um, maybe three. Okay. So, because there's always that little first set of leaves, which are not true leaves. And then from that point forward, we start to see some true leaves. Once they are a good, yeah, three, four inches tall, it's time to go into four-inch pots. Mm-hmm. With obviously nice fresh potting soil, uh, carefully transplanting, I'd put one plant per four inch pot and uh, planting them very carefully at the same level uh, in terms of the soil level in, that they're growing now into their new little pots. Keep them in your greenhouse situation right up until we're well into spring. You have to be in a frost-free world, so it might be May before they're really going to go outside. And then they're going to go outside carefully. We harden them off. We introduce them to the big bad world very gently. The wind, the, the sun, all the, the vagaries of, of the weather is hard on little tender seedlings when they've been so coddled in our greenhouses. So you'll gently take them out for an hour a day into a shady spot, back in for the, you know, inside at night, out at, during the day, slowly but surely extending the time outside and slowly but surely getting them out into the sun and then you can leave them out all summer no problem at some point you'll probably have to go up to a bigger pot this summer before you come in in the fall and how big do they get oh depends how happy and and much how much fertilizer and all that sort of thing that you do pomegranates usually when we grow them as indoor plants they'll they'll become quite nice and bushy two three feet tall eventually will they ever flower and produce pomegranates Unlikely, but you never know. You never know. If you can give them the right conditions, you, you amazing things can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, can they go outside in the south side, or do they have to have a different east or west or something? Yeah, start them in the east side of the house just because that's a a more gentle part of your your yard. The wind is not so intense, nor is the sun. But certainly as they are toughened up, you can put them anywhere you want. They will be best in full sun. So whether it's south or west, they'll be fine as long as you can make sure that they get enough water. Because in pots, of course, they will dry out more quickly than plants in the ground. Uh-huh. All right. Well, okay. do I have a problem with the deer. Are they going to eat those? Oh, oh that's a good question. Oh, boy, no. They might. I'm going to have to look that up for you to be absolutely sure. Uh, they might. The um, deer are not real picky. They, uh, when they're <laughs> they hungry, they'll eat away. just about anything. But usually in the spring, there's way better things to eat than pomegranates. Like the deer will go for your hostas before they'll go for pomegranates, I think, uh, come oh. June and July. So, yes, you're, that's your challenge is to, uh, is to protect your plants from uh, you know, marauding deer. In the winter, though, deer are a problem. Deer will eat anything. Um, yes, but, I, of course, your pomegranates won't be out there in the winter, so you'll be okay. I'm eating my bird seeds. Oh, really? I know. (laughs) They don't, yeah, they don't stop at nothing. So, well, let us know how that goes. I'd love to hear more about how the the pomegranates, because I know we have a a listener in Port Colborne who uh, loves to plant and grow some wacky things, and he's probably (laughs) listening right now to to hear about your successes. So let us know. Okay, fine. Thank you so much, Charlie. Thanks, Eleanor. Love your show. Thank Thank you. you. <clears throat> we get time here. <laughs> I beg your pardon. <clears throat> I just got all plugged up. Yes, you did. Well, let me um, just uh, move through to Betty, who's calling from Stony Creek. All righty. Poinsettia. Getting something or other here. Hello, Betty. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good morning, Betty. Morning. What's going It's so nice to get it through to you. <laughs> <laughs> the, wor- the wait is worth it sometimes, right? Yes, sir. <clears throat> yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Betty. What's going on in your garden? I was given a poinsettia, the first I ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
at Christmas. Mm. And uh, I just loved it for more reasons. But uh, I put it, I cleaned it up, put it away, took the dead stuff away. Mm -hmm. And I put it away in the closet in the corner in the dark. Mm -hmm. And I finally, my son said, you better take that thing. And he just called it a thing. (laughs) Out and see what's going on with it. Well, it was already starting to grow. And it got leaves on it. Oh, nice. And it is beautiful. It's only tiny. Okay. But it is, well, it's got five le- uh, five stems with leaves. But they're just so green and nice, and I don't know what to do. Okay, so this is great. Now, Betty, just to take it back one step, you just got it this past Christmas, right? Yes. What, was it red when you got it? Yes. Okay. So it was a lovely little red plant in December and early January. And then as often happens, some of the lower leaves start to shrivel up and die and drop off. And even those colored leaves start to just fall off for no apparent reason. The putting it into the back of the closet in the dark, you were you were jumping too quickly into that. We don't do that closet uh, thing until next fall. Oh. Your trick right now is to keep it on a windowsill or in a sunny spot in your in your um, apartment or your home and grow it as a houseplant. Uh, water as necessary, fertilize once a month, and it will just grow as a nice little green plant from now right through until spring. Can you take it outside in the spring? Oh, or yes. Okay. It, it's a wonderful plant. Poinsettias are happier outside than they are inside. So if you've got a, a shady spot... Leave it in the pot it's in or even transplant it up to one pot bigger, one pot size bigger, uh, and put it into a shady spot and let it grow just as, again, it'll just be a nice little green plant outside in, in the shade in your garden. In August, you'll bring it in the house and then we'll start the process of 12 hours of dark and 12 hours of light. Oh. In or And we do that for 14 weeks to cause the leaves to color up again so you'll be back in business with a beautiful red poinsettia for next Christmas. Oh, thank you. I just didn't, don't want to lose it. No, don't. <laughs> oh, so, great. so yeah, I'm, and good for you and good for your son, actually, for reminding you to pull it out of the closet because it would not have liked that closet uh, situation for very long. So it's nice that it's still alive. Just get it into a sunny spot, water as necessary fertilize once a week and like i say it'll be a great little plant for the next few months and we'll talk more about what to do next when we get into the fall okay thank you betty thanks betty charlie dobbin garden show on the air here at am 740 back to say hi to julia in just a moment after these words you're listening to an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740 Through rainy days and long droughts, infestations, and early frost, she's the one constant in your garden. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And hello there. Once again, welcome to a beautiful Saturday morning here. Well, certainly inside the studio. It's and, wonderful. Uh, yeah. I wasn't sure if we should just tell people what we were talking about, yeah, why yeah. there was a pause. Okay. There was a pause because I had unbuttoned my shirt to show Charlie my chest. It's true. Because, yeah, honest to God. You sh- I yeah, wish see, there was a camera yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> because last week, when I had a little bit of a, a congestion problem, mm-hmm. uh, Charlie said, you know what you need is a mustard plaster. Mm-hmm. And I said, no kidding. She said, oh, yeah, but never do that alone. You've got to have that applied when somebody's there to watch you. That's right. You don't want to leave it on too 
too long. Oh, gosh. She said, but I got to see your chest at some point. To tell you what kind of... So I said, oh, take a look at my chest. It's showing off the amount of hair because obviously the, the amount of hair on a chest yeah. has a lot to do with how strong the flour mustard uh-huh. mixture, mixture is. So I guess mine's got to be pretty potent. I would say about a 50-50. It's a dry <laughs> mustard flour 50-50 okay. mix with water. Well, probably told the folks more than they ever wanted to know about my that's chest. correct. But mm-hmm. you do have something going on. You've got yeah. a congestion thing. And yeah, that's right. Mustard plasters will get that out. Okay, um, okay. I'm for that. Julian, Ajax, <laughs> did you make it through all that without going, oh my God, what? <laughs> Too much information? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what show I've called. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, hey, we're all purpose. Good morning. I've got an old variety rose. Mm-hmm. It's called Rene Victoria, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it it flowers very nicely. I've got lots of, lots of blooms, but a lot of the blooms start to get brown leaves in the very middle of the bloom. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I thought I was overwatering it too much, so last year I didn't, and I got the same thing. Yeah. Okay, so you said old, okay, so some of the petals turn brown? Yes, right in the middle. They start to go brown in the middle. In the middle. The middle of the bloom. Yeah, exactly, right in the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, now, it rained just about every day last year. Yes, it did. And you so. couldn't do much about that rain that was getting caught in right. the blooms. If they're very upward-facing buds and blooms, mm-hmm. moisture does get caught. Uh, the other thing is earwigs love hiding inside um, blooms. I know rose blooms and buds uh, mm. during the day, and they can, you know, certainly cause some problems to the center of a of a bud. Uh, are they get Are they in a very sunny location? Your roses? Yeah, they get their six hours, if not more. Okay. They're sort of facing northeast. Okay. And it's it's right along my garage wall, which is under the eave. Good. Yep. And so that's and good. I've because... had it for about twenty years. Mm. And this is a recent phenomenon. This uh, browning in, in the, the center. In the last few years, I would say. I'm just afraid to lose it because I don't know where to replace them anymore. The gentleman who used to sell them, I guess, has died, and the property is sold, and there's now houses. So mm. I've no idea where my my daughter did. You know, look it up to see where she could we could find them, but there seems to be none available. Mm. One of the best rose suppliers for huge uh, um, variety, I should say, of uh, rose specimens is Pickering Nurseries, which isn't far from you. Yeah, but it. He's not there anymore. That's where I got these. Oh, okay. You know what? Check them on the web. They still have a farm. They still have. I wondered yeah. that. Yeah, they, they do. They still do. Yeah, they just moved that's it up. Where I did buy it. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. Where it was is now all subdivision. Yeah. But it has moved and it does still exist. So don't give oh, up. Okay. But could it be that um, where the rose is now, is it shadier now than it used to be? Like, is it? Is there a tree that could have grown? No. No? No, there isn't. So the only shading is really being caused by the garage when you mm-hmm. say facing northeast mm-hmm. um and this is a healthy plant otherwise yes it is lots of good shoots on this in yeah, the spring it and does, yeah actually i tinned it back a couple of years ago there was it does get pretty big yeah exactly so that's something don't hesitate to do because roses are very invigorated by mm-hmm. being pruned sometimes very hard pruning is the best way to truly rejuvenate them and that's in the early spring before the leaves right open well no you wouldn't go out yet because it's no, not quite nice enough wait until you, you start to see the buds just starting to swell mm-hmm. and then it's very clear what is live wood and what is dead wood right and that is the time you can do like I say some very hard pruning and at the same time fertilize 
fertilizing. Roses are pretty heavy feeders, mm-hmm. as well as obviously um, being truly uh, plants that, uh, I'll tell you, I once saw a, a beautiful little hybrid tea. It was only, oh, maybe a foot and a half tall in full bloom in a garden in England. And the owner of the garden said to me, that they knew their great grandmother had planted that rose, yes, and yes. it was you know 120 years old, mm-hmm. and it looked like something that was planted this year because it was tiny and and compact and healthy and very very fresh looking, and it was all because of the the way it was treated that every year it was constantly constantly being cut down. I looked at the stem down at base, and sure enough, you know the the stem of the was you know about six inches across. So I mean it was a huge trunk on it, but it was a very young fresh looking rose growing mm-hmm. out of that old trunk. Yeah. So don't hesitate to do that and you may find that will make a big difference as well. Air circulation is important for roses. You know, we get moisture buildup, humidity buildup when we don't get good air circulation and again that browning can happen due to just um, you know, fungal uh, growth. Okay. So look for any of those possibilities to maybe help with that. And I'll, meanwhile, I'll look it up and see if I can see anything else because nothing else comes to mind at this point for okay. why that could happen. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank Thanks you. for your call. Bye-bye. And thanks to all the calls we've had today. Still time for a few more. 416-360-0740 in Toronto. 1-866-740-4740. Here at AM740, the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show will return in just a moment. Transplanting good ideas from one gardener to another. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And we're going to Aurelia, the birthplace of the I Am Not Dead, Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and in Aurelia. Hi there, how are you? Uh, oh, hello. I'm fine, thank you. I just thought maybe um, because Charlie had been to England, she might be able to answer this question for me. Um, I have some real bluebells, real English bluebells. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they have a special name, but I don't know what it is. And they've gone white and kind of a pale lilac. Can you tell me how to make them blue again? <laughs> it's uh, likely connected to the pH of the soil. Get, uh, a, get a very simple pH testing kit. You yeah. can get that at any garden center. Yes. Uh, f- to blue up the bluebells, uh, okay. you, you need your pH lower than neutral. So neutral is 7. Yeah. And it's likely because... In Ontario, our natural soils are limestone-based, and they tend to be at 6.8, 6.9, very close to neutral. Most of the English soils are are more peat-based, and they tend to be a lower pH. So that's likely what's going on. And the way you will lower your pH is with the addition of sulfur to your soil. Sulfur. Or soil acidifier. In the same garden, I do have some kind of hardy rose bushes that went, so keep it away from them, eh? That's right. Okay. So the roses are pretty easy going. I mean, they'll they'll go you know six point five, six point six. They're okay with that. They, you just don't want to get down to this. You know, blueberries being on the extreme end of the acid loving scale. Yeah. You know, you don't want to get that acidic because obviously the roses wouldn't like it that much. You know, way down at six. And you know, if I just thought about that, that would have made sense because. The, the woods in England are all full of them, right? So, mm-hmm, you know, exactly. they have all the trees there and everything. That's right, and it's all that compostable, the leaf material and the bark and everything else makes it for a, yeah. a little more acidic than our natural soils. Okay. All, all right. right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Anne. Right. Bye. Take Bye-bye. care of Aurelia for us and uh, say hi to Gordy if you happen to see him around, too. Wasn't that a funny story the other day? Gordon Lightfoot heard about his own death on the air. Oh, <laughs> he was I didn't driving hear car. that. Yeah, oh. no, he erroneously reported that Gordon had passed away at age 73. He's driving along, and he hears it on the radio. <laughs> Whoa. He says, I don't I don't look like it. He looked in the mirror. He yeah. said, I don't look like I'm dead. <laughs> he probably said, I better pull over. Yeah, well, he did, I and mean, he called the dead office right away. people shouldn't be driving. Well, then he realized his daughter had maybe heard 
heard this, and oh, what a horrible yeah, thing to hear. That's scary, yeah. Anyway, uh, hey, Joan and Jarvis, hi. Nice to have you on the show. Hi there. Uh, Charlie, I've wanted to ask you this question for some time. Mm-hmm. It's regarding, Jap- I believe they're Japanese quints. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know they're quints. They may not be Japanese. Yep, they, they have usually. huge, nasty thorns on them, mm-hmm. and they have hundreds of these hard little quints on them. Yep. I don't know what to do with them. I, someone says, oh, you make jam, but I can't imagine even <laughs> trying to make jam with something. It's so hard. I don't, what do you do with them? You can. You can make things with quince, quince jelly. Um, all right. So what? it's funny you're calling about that. They are, they're like golf balls. They are they're so. Terrible. And to try and, of course, go in and harvest them is not easy as well because of the thorns. But right. with, you know, leather gauntlets, you can get in there and you can twist the fruits off in late fall. Uh, so you want to get them, you know, as ripe as possible because they'll, they'll go from green to yellow to orange uh, through the winter. And, of course, they'll shrivel up over the winter and, and just be little blobs of black in the spring. So you need to, to obviously harvest them before winter. And um, you know what? Off the top of my head, I don't have any good quince recipes, but I can tell you the few times I've tried to make things with quince, it wasn't very good. <laughs> but that was me. I think that was just my bad uh, so just choice look of at recipes. Them and throw them out. You could. But quince jelly, uh, you know, is used. It, certainly, it's a culinary delight. Well, that's mint. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're uh, right. I think quince is used on things. You can do a little bit of lemon. I mean, quince doesn't really stand alone. It needs other things to bring it out. Uh, kind of like rose hips. I made rose hip jam one time, which didn't have a lot of flavor and needed other things to bring it alive, like lemons and sugar and those kinds of things, or, you know, mangoes, whatever the case may be, something to give it some real flavor. I just didn't think they'd ever soften. They're just, they're, well, they're it's like all, golf balls, aren't they? Yeah. It's all in the cooking. Well, thank you Boiling. So much. Now I know. I won't feel so badly when they fall to the ground and I do nothing with them. <laughs> the birds will take them or the mice. I'll take your nine iron out there and give them a smoke. <laughs> <I should. laughs> thank you very much, thank Joan. Thank you. Bye. Uh, the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. Uh, uh, have we got time for another call here? Uh, we, uh, I think if it's a quick one. Okay. Let's uh, go to Bill in Penetang. Hi, Bill. Hi, uh, Charlie. Uh, I have one question. This past winter, I uh, took up growing African violets. Mm-hmm. And they've come on like gangbusters. They're they're really great. But now when I put my finger in the pot, mm-hmm. it feels as if my finger goes all the way down through them. Now, what I would like to know, is it time for me to put them in a size bigger pot? Well, when you say the, the go all the way through, meaning that it's just solid, massive roots in the, in the pot? or that, That's what it feels like. It feels as if the... Uh, dirt or the pig moss that was in there has now, let's say, deteriorated, gone mm-hmm. to the bottom. Okay. Do you see roots coming out the bottom of the pots or on the surface of the soil? No, none at all. Okay. And are the African violets still just single plants in the pot? There's no um, sort of daughter or son plants coming off of the mother plant? All I can tell you is that uh, the outside, there's lots of outside leaves and mm-hmm. there's a lot of small baby leaves coming up through the middles now. Okay, because what what will happen as a African violet gets older is the stem kind of tends to elongate, and little uh, baby plants will grow off the stem. And at that point, we definitely do want to separate out because you only want one African violet in each of your pots. They're they're very. Um, narcissistic plants. They want to be beautiful and they want to be admired and they want to stand alone. So, uh, and, and the, the trick is when to transplant any house plant is look for roots growing out the bottom of the, the holes in the bottom of the pot. Okay. So if in your case though, if it's, if the whole thing is feeling a little odd, you know, the, the soil isn't feeling like it should, 
don't hesitate to just open up a newspaper, turn the plant on its side, and sort of tap the pot and pull the pot off and just take a look at the roots. See what's going on. If it's just too many roots there and not enough soil, sure, you could go up to a bigger size pot. If the, it's the right time of year now, if we're going to do transplanting, spring is the time to do it. Okay. All right. Thanks very, very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining Thanks the show, Bill. And good for Bill. I'm, I'm, I like it when I hear somebody's. He's taking on a project yeah, like yeah. that. African violets. <laughs> good That's stuff. great. There's thousands to choose from. Now you have a, just a few a little announcement you want to squeeze oh, in. Oh, you're you? absolutely yes. right. Thank you for that. You're good, eh? I oh, knew my I sous chef <laughs> keeps me on the on track here. Uh, email. If for whatever reason you can't get through, um, sometimes people, I know you're shy to speak on the phone. Or you're on, in the car. Yeah, or you can't call or you're on hold so long you need to uh, to get going. You can email me. I will not answer emails other than on air, but I'm happy to answer them. My email address is my first initial C, Dobbin, so C-D-O-B-B-I-N at am 740 ca and don't forget you miss a show you can always catch us on itunes right. just itunes download the free software search am740 and click on whatever garden show you want to listen to it's all free excellent well our time we're out of racetrack once again unbelievable unbelievable but you're here for a few more hours oh yeah i'm i'm here right through to four with the uh, uh, live in the city, all sorts of interesting people to talk to today, plus nice. the greatest of the music, of course, always from AM740. And it's your granddaughter's birthday today. Yes, so Sydney. Big birthday yep. greetings to, well, first birthday. Yes. I'm oh, sure she's really not exciting. listening, but happy birthday from us anyway. But, you know, her, her great-grandfather, Lloyd, mm-hmm. is coming down for the party. He's 95 nice. and a half. Perfect. And uh, just so excited. He'll be singing louder than anybody, Oh, I I'm bet. sure. Dancing on a table, <laughs> if I know Lloyd. <laughs> that's all great. Right. Well, Thanks, I'm, Charlie. I'm off to Toronto Botanical Gardens for my 1.30 oh, uh, right. speaking engagement. Yeah, behind the scenes peek at Canada Blooms. You got it. See okay. you next week. You got it. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.